Welcome, everybody, Adelaide United fans, fans of our A-League men's competition or, of course, our A-League women's competition. It is uh, the second instalment of the roundtable. Jared Walsh here, absolutely honoured to be on the microphone today. And on behalf of the Adelaide United Football Club, wanted to give a huge shout out to our major partners, Flinders University, UCAN, McDonald's, Kite Property, RAA, Australian Outdoor Living, um, alongside Triple M for hosting us today as I officially welcome the same panellists we had this time last year, uh, all former Adelaide United players who have contributed to the history of the football club as we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Bruce Jitte, welcome to you. It's great to see you again. It's good to be back here again. Travis Dodd, wonderful to see you here once again, mate. Thank you for taking some time to be with us. Pleasure, and a pleasure for you boys to all see me as well. And uh, <laughs> Robbie Cornthwaite, who I would like to give you full credit for saying we're in the same formation of last year as well, uh, in the way that we are sitting, which is beautiful. Robbie, that welcome to you. Yeah, why well, change something that uh, that works, I reckon. Oh, it's probably the first time I've seen you boys since last year anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> nice to be here. It's wonderful to have you all in here. As we said, um, it's the the 20th anniversary of the football club. There's a, a documentary which is actually going to be released on Tuesday, the 17th of October, called The People's Club, 20 Years of Adelaide United. So just stay tuned for more information uh, about the release. Um, question without notice before we get into having a look at specifically the A-League men's competition. Uh, apart from the championship, I'll start with you, Bruce. Um, some fond memories over the past 20 years of Adelaide United, whether it's a supporter or a player or uh, a football director or now a keen observer and pundit. Yeah, a couple. Um, obviously, winning the grand final at Adelaide Oval is uh, impossible to surpass. Um, but even as football director, watching watching the boys uh, beat Melbourne City in that Australia Cup final at, at Hindmarsh was was awesome as well. So uh, they're probably the two that first come to mind. Um, but plenty more. I'm sure the other boys can elaborate on that. What about you, Trav, former skipper of the club? So for you, I'm sure you've got some fond memories. I actually still have a Travis Dodd Perth Glory shirt at home, which um, I hold on to. But we talk about Adelaide United here. Yeah. No, for me, as a player, it would be that run for the Champions League, the Asian Champions League. Mm. That was, it was just phenomenal that we had no right really to, to be there, to be part of that and compete as well as we did. And we... Proved everyone wrong. So, who did you score against? Uh, uh, scored against uh, Kashima. That's right. That's right. I scored the own goal in the first leg. You scored the the first yeah. one. And then Head I missed, put us one up. And I missed a sitter in the second leg. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. But that, I'd have to agree with Trav. <laughs> I think that Asian Champions League run to the final was probably the best. And I suppose as someone that was not there in the NSL when they first came in, but the first year of the A League to cross paths with Trav all those years ago, Brucey. A year or so later, it's uh, it's crazy to think um, it's been 20 years since we all sort of came together almost. I wanted to ask you about connection back into the football club because I think um, apart from maybe the, fu- the past five years, it's something we probably could have been better at as a football club. But now I have a look at where we are celebrating the anniversary now and a lot of great people are making their way back to the football club so I use the example of Eugene Galakovic who's part of the coaching staff um, Marcelo Karuskinau whose academy is part of the Adelaide United fabric but Robert you've been part of the club the past 12 years of what you've been doing with the, the media team and and Trav even something as powerful as our um, welcome to country video which is absolutely imperative to have and to recognise um, the, the contribution from indigenous footballs and, and Bruce your role as well I feel we're at a place of authenticity. We can always get better, but in a milestone celebration, how important is it to continually reach out to our past players and people that have contributed to the club? Oh, I think it's critical. You know, it's the culture of the club. It's the culture the, the, that club should should uh, be seeking to, to achieve. Um, I think other sporting codes have been celebrating their history um, quite well. Um, in this country, um, football still has a way to go, um, but Adelaide United, probably one of um, the best clubs when it comes to, you know, still celebrating the past as well as delivering a forward vision. So, yeah, I think the club does a, a very good job in that space. And, and as you said, hasn't always been the case. I, I remember even the way Dodsey left and, you know, the way Eugene left and, the way, uh, you know, Flores, Aloisi, Flores, Cassie, yeah. like, there, there were, <laughs> you know, the club did it very, very poorly, not just on the, on, on the exit, but also, you know, post uh, playing career, etc. Um, there's a much more acute focus on making sure that 
you know, we celebrate club champions and the like, and or at least engage in, in alumni, if you like, of, of the football club. And it's taking those learnings, I guess, Trav, you know, Bruce mentioned your name. It, it's traditionally been probably some some past greats of the club that, that weren't handled in the way that they should have been. But having a look at Cassio now with Bernardo, hopefully going into a fully fit season, he had a choice where he wanted to play. So um, he wouldn't be advised to come to Adelaide if it wasn't a safe and comfortable place for him to play his football. That's right. And if you look at the environment that the club has created now over the last couple of years, it's been fantastic. We're seeing players engaged, former players engaged. And it's hard. It's a hard thing for a club because... I think the priority is the the players and playing and winning games. That's what the fans want. The fans want championships. So the club needs to have a focus on that. And sometimes that can take up a lot of time. You need the the resources mm. uh, within staffing to, to be able to create all of this stuff. And I think the next step for Adelaide United, hopefully, will be, you know, and we've spoken about it, I've spoken to the club about it previously, is the organisation of a past players club within mm. Adelaide United. So, look, that's that's something that I know the club is keen on exploring. Well, I mean, we were mentioning it just yeah. this morning. There's a new media manager on board at the club, Lucas. He's come across from Port Adelaide. He's got a lot of great ideas. We, Brucey mentioned other sports celebrating past players mm. really, really well, and I know that's a, a key focus of his. So, it was literally mentioned 10 minutes ago downstairs having a coffee, and, I, and that's an area. I also feel like... It, there's a bit of a time lag required as well. We, we, we might forget that Adelaide United's a, a very young club still. So mm. in order to be able to build that critical mass of past players to justify having a past players club, like, yep. that, that takes time too. So, you know, um, I think everything's on the right track. So I need you all to play your roles really well here. I'm putting my um, best Carl Viet on without the swearing um, because I'm a fan. There's, there's nothing that the, the club can really do that will make me upset. I'm full of emotion. There might be decisions that are made that I'll react to, but ultimately I'm the fan. You guys have played and represented the club. You've all represented your country. The, the reason why we've got together today is to get your critical analysis of what's happened and what you think is going to happen moving into the A-League men's season because there's – a lot of unknown. There's a, been a little bit of movement, not much player movement for Adelaide United, but the players that have moved on are significant players. And we even look at Nestoria and Kunda, where we expect it's going to be his last season at the football club. Um, so there's a lot to go into. Uh, the first question, and I'll start with you, Robbie, is for, for Carl and the side that he's put together, where do they need to improve after a really disappointing exit and especially probably a disappointing month to finish off their campaign last season? I mean, the obvious answer and the easy answer for me is defensively. I mean, over the last couple of years, they've been a side that has leaked a lot of goals and it's been something that's been raised on many occasions, whether it's, you know, go and sign a, a foreign centre-back or, or, you know, we're too young or we're too old or or whatever it is, but Carl's always subscribed to the philosophy of if they score four, we score five. And maybe some people don't agree with that. They think championships are built on the back of strong defences and um, Carl's someone who likes to play open, expansive um, football. So I won't go too much into that. I think there is um, a few players that could come back and help settle the time. I think Nick Ansel, when he's fit, is probably the best centre-back at the club, but he's had some issues with his body. So hopefully he can he can get himself right. I think holding on to Joe Gauchi is another big win. I think after he made his Socceroos debut, there was a, a, maybe a chance that some clubs come calling for him. But as a young keeper, if you're going to go overseas and be number two or three keeper at a big club, there's no point going. You might as well stay here for another three or four seasons um, and, and play regular football before he gets a move to, to be the number one. I think the other area that I think um, the club could, or Carl could make some adjustments is, is in the flexibility of the way that they play. I think over the past two years, we've seen them play one style of football, one formation, one game plan. I think it wouldn't hurt maybe at times to just have a little bit of a plan B. Maybe it's go two up top. I'm not saying you have to go three at the back or change the whole formation, um, but it has always been a gung-ho approach. And I think we saw at the pointy end of last season, um, at times maybe they could have done something different and, and, and been a little bit more successful. That said, we'll get to it in a little while. They've had some good preseason results, 1-0 wins, which you don't usually see from this side. But... I suppose the defence and, and maybe a little bit more flexibility are the two areas that uh, I'd like to see improvement. It's an interesting thing that about the flexibility because as a coach at a much lower level, either at MPL, you can quite easily get caught into a, a habit of 
something's not going right. Okay, I'm going to change it up. All right, that doesn't go right. I'm going to change it up again. And I've been through that myself. So, yeah, I I back Scruff for having that confidence within his playing group. And sorry, himself. Scruff? Are you going to give anybody okay. an indication of why you I, called him Scruff? Remember, I'm the fan. You, you I, 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 um, I started Adelaide City when I was 16. I think Scruff was already gone then. Scruff's been Scruff since I was at Adelaide City. Okay. So what was that? 16, 20 years ago. 27 years ago. You need ago. to find out yeah. the origins of that when you play golf Scruffy with him next hair, to maybe? Range, I don't know. Okay. But anyway, Carl, <laughs> um, so I back him for backing himself and the playing group. I agree with uh, Cornflakes, the the defence, but it's not necessarily, for me, players, personnel. It could be the structure from the front. You know, yes, goals get leaked, but defence starts from the strikers. So yep. is it the right structure setting up defensively, that's that's what I think, you know, maybe look into that. Uh, but you look at the goals they conceded, 46 goals was the, the third worst in the league. No problem scoring goals. If you can cut those goals down, you know, finishing third, put you in a top two position. I think as a, and a I want to ask you this, Bruce, as an observer, the the Central Coast games that we had at the back end of last year, all of those games, I could almost feel as a fan about five or 10 minutes into those games that we weren't in those games because I could see the, the pressure that the Mariners were putting on Adelaide United and the counters that they had. And I just thought this, they're just a level above with their, their application to how hard they were working. Is that a mindset thing as well that they need to start trying to improve moving into that alongside potentially some structural things, Bruce? Look, I remember doing broadcast for those games and what was clear was, I think it was a quality issue. You know, we had an inability to break the Mariners' press, right? And and I remember at the time thinking, you know what? Ma the, the only way Melbourne City win the grand final is if they have the quality to get through the Mariners' press because the Mariners' press was cl as close to perfect as, as could be. And as you saw in the grand final, even City struggled even yeah. worse with that, you know, made Adelaide United look like they, they did a pretty good job um, um, in the in the semi. But the, the, there, there is a challenge there around being able to keep the ball, break those lines when it comes to a Mariners. And Mariners have had their changes and we might see a completely different sort of setup this year. Um, but that hurt us last year, you know, the, the inability to break that, that Mariners press. The, the squad is a little bit different. It was pleasing to watch the Adelaide United team um, win the NPL championship, probably um, much to the anger of some other NPL clubs that didn't want to see that. But the, the standout players uh, for Adelaide United and the goal scorers were uh, all Adelaide United senior listed players like Johnny Yull was there, um, Jovanovic, Ethan Aligic played well, Panash Madana, who's been rewarded with a, the three-year contract. So the, the plan seems to be working. Uh, we don't need to go on the, the ins and outs of Craig Goodwin's departure, but Robbie, do you think that this is going to force Carl's hand maybe a little bit to have a look at being a bit different and having that plan B because Craig's not there and he's, as Nathan Cosmina said to the members the other night, he's, he's irreplaceable. So... How do you actually build a squad around everybody else? Because a fair bit of change needs to happen. Well, absolutely. I think they're two different sort of, not arguments, but two different topics. The youth team winning versus how do you replace Craig Goodwin. You just look at Ange Postacoglu at Tottenham. Harry Kane leaving, everyone said, oh, how are they going to score? What are they going to do? Other players step up and maybe you start to play slightly differently. Maybe we'll see the ball not going down the left so much this time this season. Obviously, someone else different is going to be taking set pieces. But... I think when you look across the board and you start with Hiroshi Ibasuki, couldn't quite get his body right last year. Um, he wasn't at his best. Ben Halloran, for me, had one of his worst seasons uh, at Adelaide United before he went to South Korea. He was absolutely flying, looking at double digits uh, in terms of goal scoring. I thought last year he was really, really poor, and he's one player that absolutely must uh, get back to his best football if he's going to um, contribute. Obviously, you mentioned Bernardo. He was out injured for nearly the, the whole season. Clough was sort of in and out. I think if you look across the board, outside of Craig and maybe Nesta, nobody else was really at the level that we expect. So there's a lot of guys there that have got a lot of improvement. Um, 
that are going to add a lot more goals. Um, I think Hiroshi is probably capable of getting close to double digits if he gets some good service. I think if Nesta starts every game, he could, you know, in the course of a season, he could get double digits as well. So there is goals in that side, but I think there is uh, improvement across all of them that is definitely needed. And from what we've heard, Ben Halloran has been working extremely hard this offseason, yeah. lost five kilos. As I haven't seen that for myself. That was what I've been told. But um, he's a guy that uh, I don't want to put a rocket up him, but I was really disappointed with him last year, and I think he was too. You look at the squad uh, that they've got now, yes, they haven't gone out and bought a number of players. So there is going to be that reliance on the young players, the young boys. Now, Aaron Kunda didn't start a game. Uh, Ethan Aligic played seven. Panash had three. Jovanovic, five. And Johnny Yule had two starts. So between five or six players, you've got under 15 starts. Now, they're, I think, going to be players that potentially Carl is going to have to rely on this year and give them a go. Give these young boys a go. Now, you talked about the NPL. Yes, and I think maybe that's what the, the issue is with the club, that these boys are training in a professional environment mm. and then coming down to a semi-professional environment and playing. But it is what it is. You, know, Tra- Tra- you, you coached against all those guys, right? Outside of Nesta, who do you think is going to jump out of the pack and have a season where Carl maybe just has to pick up? We played Adelaide United in the second to last game of the regular season. Uh, only uh, Johnny Yule and Luka Jovanovic played in that game. They destroyed us. In the first, they played, uh, I think Luka played 40, no, Johnny played 45 minutes, scored, came off half time, job done. Uh, Luka played another 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I was a bit annoyed at Scruffer because at golf the week before he said, <laughs> he goes, nah, they're only playing, they're both only playing 45 minutes. So I'm going to training on Thursday going, these two boys are only going to play 45. Come out at half time, Luca's still there. I'm like, Scruff, killing me. But no, for me, for me, it'll be, I think those two boys, mm. Aaron Kunda, we have seen a lot of mm. uh, coming off the bench, but I, I rate Ethan as well. I yeah. think mm. his composure, even seeing him at an MPL level, yes, it's a different level, but his composure, movement, distribution is fantastic. Look, I th- I'm so proud that the youth team won that competition, partly because I remember when we went and spoke to Football South Australia, there were some regulations that didn't allow some movement of, of younger players when, when I started as, as football director. And I remember saying to them, look, <laughs> the days of playing 20, 21-year-olds, they're gone. That's not the philosophy we want to be. We want to be following. We're looking at having a youth team, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen-year-olds, um, um, maybe. And and at the time, you know, it was uh, it was challenging, right? Um, but it's so great to see the club continue down that path. And there's a time lag on those sort of decisions. But. I remember when we recruited Ayrton and we recruited Carl and everyone's rowing in the same direction and we're starting to see the fruits of that labour, for for want of a better phrase, um, you know, start to ripen. And is this the time where Adelaide United youth team starts to dominate the MPL year in, year out? Potentially. When you look at, you said Nathan recently said to the members forum, that Goodwin's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. I mean, everyone's irreplaceable. Barcelona's replaced Messi. Uh, Tottenham's replaced Harry Kane. Real Madrid's replaced Ronaldo. Um, with all due respect to Craig, like everyone's replaceable. Is it easy? No. Um, when the purse strings are tight as well, it makes it even more challenging. Um, but everyone's replaceable. And I feel like every season or every other season, this is the discussion, right? Because you lose uh, your best players because we operate in a global marketplace. There's always going to be, you know, bigger fish out there that, that players want to want to chase. And, and so they should. They should be ambitious. But there's also a salary cap here, a limited budget. So I look at the players who've come and, and gone from the club and every time it's been a catastrophe. You know, Marcos Flores leaving. Oh, my God, we're going to have a terrible season. Um uh, Riley McGree leaving. Oh my God. C- Craig Goodwin leaving. Oh my God. Is they, Aies at they the say time? That when I left? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think they so. did. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, but, I wasn't here. So. But, <laughs> but I think what, what fans need to, need to also understand is that without those players 
moving on to bigger and better things, for, for want of another bit of phrase, um, you never see your Nkunda because his path is blocked by another player. So if you hoarded all the great exports that Adelaide United have ever had, then you probably never see some of these young shining lights mm. um, um, get the opportunity to play, show their worth, and, and, and then leave as well. So, you know, it is a bit, of a, a bit of a balancing act there. The other thing on the back of that, Bruce, is you look at the names like Giselle, Bernardo, Yal, uh, Bovalina, mm. Madonna. They're all on three, four-year deals now. The mm. club has gone, all right, these guys have done really well. We're not going to give them one-year deals and then maybe another A-League club comes and takes Coach. them like they have in the past. Or, or if they do go overseas, the club's going to get something in return. But the list of young guys is basically eight of your starting 11, maybe mm. in three years' time, with a couple of foreigners and a couple of senior players. There's, there's a lot to be excited about. And you know what? A bunch of them are going to leave and there'll be a, another young bunch that, that comes through. You know, look at Mohamed Toure. Jovanovic ain't playing if Toure's mm. still here. So I think, you know, if we can start to see more and more, and that's the difficulty, you know, how deep is the production line? Um, but, but if we can make sure that, you know, those youth players are, are playing in the NPL at a relatively young age as, as teenagers, 15, 16 year olds, and they're successful at that level. And then those star players, your good ones end up moving on. That's a freeway that can accelerate them to be able to be playing A-League games at 16 or 17 years old. And that's a really attractive proposition for overseas clubs. And then you start to get on the wheel that your Ajaxes and other um, great selling European clubs are on. Because outside of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City, every club's a selling club. You know, <laughs> there's, there's the, 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 you know, there's some Saudi clubs now that, that they are definitely aren't buying selling clubs. clubs. Yeah. They're buying yeah. clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but outside of that small circle of clubs, everyone's a selling club. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be ignorant or arrogant to, to, to think Adelaide United won't be a selling club because we love the players. Of course we love the players. But if there's a young crop coming through, then how exciting is that? I want well? to ask you all about Nestori Irinkunda in isolation in a moment. But Trav, um, I wanted to direct this towards you and, and ask about player coverage. So uh, Robbie mentioned at the start, defensively, um, we need to be really careful about the talent that there is defensively. Nick Ansel's name was mentioned when he's fully fit. Um, absolutely outstanding he was. There was a, a game, I think, against Wellington last season at home where he was brilliant. Um, Lockie Barr is exactly the same when when fit. We saw that Alexander Popovich couldn't get a game towards the end of the season. Do you think it's that area that probably needs the most attention if January comes along and um, Adelaide United have the opportunity to look at players? Because I think last year defensively was the biggest question mark for me where you can't just bring anyone in to, to fill the roles that are void by injured or suspended players. Yeah, but yeah, when I think the breakdown has to be when you're conceding goals, how you're conceding goals. Is it, okay, your, your centre-backs are getting skinned in one-on-one -on -one positions, okay, then we've got to look at replacing players. But if they're playing through the middle of the park and not getting tracked and things like that, then then it becomes about structure. Have I got the right players in the midfield? Have I got the right players up front? Are they showing the defenders the right way? So it's easy to, to throw darts at, mm. at defensive-type players, but ultimately it may come down to that. Maybe it comes down to, you know, it's, it's been a while since we've had an experienced leader at the back. Probably mm. Jakobsen was the last one mm. that we've had that can really drive a team and say, and give instruction and, and really be forceful in instructing a team. And that's what I think we, we should expect from Isaias. You know, Issa, if he's, if he's playing, maybe throwing him at the back. I know that's a bit of a curveball. He's 35. Are we going to get done for pace? But yeah, you know, he's got a lot of experience. Is he going to be able to have that? foresight to, to instruct players in front of him, maybe. Mm. Robbie, what are your thoughts? Because you're the experienced defender out of the, the whole panel here. Um, uh, yeah, don't let us lecture you about how to defend. <laughs> stick it, I'm sticking up for you there, man. No, no I appreciate that, Trent. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the things that I see that have gone wrong or have been done incorrectly are just fundamentals. 
I think it's very, very small attention to details, side on, when to drop, when to push up, which leg to block with. I remember, and Trav spoke about this as one of his frustrations as a coach, conceding goals from throw-ins. Like, how do you concede a goal when you've got the throw-in? Like, just little things like that, that maybe lapses in concentration or... Um, you know, they're the things that really frustrate me. A cross that comes in and a, a striker that gets across the front of you and scores a great header, you're going to go, well, I was right on him. Like, it's a, it's a great goal. What, what am I going to do about mm-hmm. that? But just little things about being out of position uh, are the things that frustrate me. But, you know, Carl spoke on Saturday at the, the family um, open session. And he said they're, they're trying a few different things and they're trying to play a little bit differently. They're trying to defend a little bit differently. And he's been encouraged by what he's seen. So... I'm not out of training. I haven't been out training in years. It's quite far away, as mm. Bruce will know. Um, so I don't know what they're doing out there day to day. So I don't want to say, oh, they're not doing enough defensively. At the moment, they haven't conceded goals against two A-League opposition. In the Cup, they caught five, I think it was, against Wanderers and a really poor night. So I think we'll have to wait and see the start of the season before we make any sort of judgment calls. I think Ryan Tenercliffe in the middle of the midfield is that guy that Trav was spoken about, Isaias. From all reports, he's a guy that wants the ball. Mm. He wants to be the boss in the middle of the park. He wants to take responsibility. Um, So whether he's going to make a big difference in terms of uh, stopping the ball from getting to the back four, we know he's famous for his tackles. So let's hope he he gets a few of those right this season. So I think he'll make a bit of a difference as well. But I think a lot of it comes down to fundamentals, basics. and, And I thought Popper had a poor year last year. I thought he burst onto the scene, was really good. And last year, maybe things, you know, chopping and changing. He, he, he didn't look settled to me. So I'm hoping he he bounces back and has a big year as well. And you've got to also think, you know, Mark Milligan's there in the coaching yep. uh, uh, team as well as assistant, obviously. Um, you know, don't without pumping his tyres up too much, but one of the better defensive players this country's ever produced, yeah. you know. So um, we can be here and pontificate about what they should and, or, a massive and or shouldn't be doing. Um, You've been working with harps but, too much. Yeah. <laughs> i got Far the harps around. dictionary thesaurus in the, in the glove box. So check that before I got here. But um, yeah. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Mills is there and, and you know, he, he will be, you know, instructing, teaching, coaching, of course, um, how best to address those defensive issues. You got a definition there, Travis yeah. Pontificate. Okay, mm, mm, uh, express go. one's opinions in a pompous and dogmatic way. Mm. Now, um, were you doing that in the the change rooms when you were playing, Bruce? Were you never. pontificating? I was uh, pretty quiet in the change rooms. Okay. Trav, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's mm. just had to Google just, the word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let, let's focus on this story, Irin Kunda, and there's a reason why I want to ask specifically about him. Um, if we're to believe all reports, and Robbie, you're probably closest to any of this than, than we are. Mm. Um, Nesta's able to leave the club at the end of this season because of his age, he's not tied to the club due to the, the rules put in place by Football Australia or the A-League. Um, and therefore, he's potentially off to Europe. Yeah. Um, I asked the question of Carl at the members forum, is, is Nesta going to start? As simple as that. And Carl's response is the one that I wanted to kind of break down with you because... Carl indicated, um, yeah, Nesta's in a position where he can if he really wants to, and he really wants it. So for me, it, it's come down to uh, physically, maybe he's got in the preseason a, a bit more Ks in the tank, but mentally and his application to football as a teenager is the telltale whether he's going to do that or not. And I think we saw at the end of last year, there were times where uh, Nick Montgomery was very specific on putting Jacob Trad on when Nesta went onto the pitch because he knew he could get inside. Oh, sorry, Jacob Farrell, not Jacob Trad, because he knew he could get inside his head. And that happened. So let's start with you, Robbie, about Nesta. We'll get you starting 11 at the end of this, but is he ready to start? Should he start? Is it more of a mental thing? Yeah, I think he has got a lot of growing to do mentally. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. And the club probably weren't too happy with that or, or with what he had to say. But he did. He was honest and he said, yeah, it's been very tough to deal with the speculation over the last couple of months of constantly being linked to Bayern Munich. Listen, is the deal done? I believe it's not done. Do I think it's going to happen 100%? Mm-hmm. I think there's just a little bit of legal paperwork and stuff to take care of. So um, hopefully once that done, that's done, that'll, that'll clear him clear his head a little bit. I don't know Nesta, but he comes across as the type of kid that just wants to play football. He wants to play games. He wants to score. He wants to run. That's not always what being a professional footballer is all about. He's got a little bit of an ankle injury at the moment. Um, I think he's back full training this week, so there's plenty of time to get fit. But 
you know, is he is he doing all the right things to get himself back on the park? Is he going to all these appointments? Is he going to I don't know. He just strikes me as the type of guy that just wants to play and maybe all that other stuff that comes with being a professional, your prehab, your diet, all this kind of stuff. Maybe isn't there just yet, but he's 17 years old. Mm. There's not many 17-year-olds in the world that are doing all of those things 100% correctly all of the time. They've got a lot of distractions. At the end of the day, a lot of them are still kids. I think Nesta is in a position to start. I almost feel like if Carl just says to him, which I know Carl does, I trust you. I'm going to put you out there. I think he can have a real impact this season. Maybe he doesn't play 90 minutes. Maybe he plays 60. Maybe he doesn't start every week, but... I'd love to see him start a bunch of games and really see what he's capable of. I agree. I don't see him as a 90-minute player in his first real season. The I think the fear for me is he's had a great breakout year. It's always that second year. Mm. Can they come back and replicate what they've done? So much expectation now from everybody that he comes on and scores bombs. So people are just going to be expecting that. Fans are going to be expecting that. That's what that. the fans want. Yeah. yeah. That from the first minute, he's going to start dribbling players, putting them top corner. It is not going to happen. He is going to go games upon games without scoring. That is a reality. It's how he deals with that, how the how he motivates himself to keep going with that. Look, I think going to to Europe at, at this age, you know, without the experience of playing games, is a mistake. You know, the reality is, if he goes to Bayern Munich, he's he's not going to stay there. They're going to loan him out. Where are they going to loan him out to? We've seen that with uh, Grand Qual. Signs at Newcastle, goes to Hearts, disaster, goes somewhere else. And then it becomes a merry-go-round. So the other thing, you know, I question, I was watching, the, what was the last tournament that the, the 17s or that yeah, like, yeah. the played at? I watched a couple of games and like, even at a national team level, turns the ball over and there's not a real desire to win the ball back. Gets the ball, just wants to take players on and do the, the exciting stuff, you know, instead of the simple stuff. So... I hope that he can get that mindset right to, you know, play simple and, you know, be flashy and uh, and classy when he needs to be. Yeah, mindset's definitely going to be a challenge for him. I think how he manages his emotions is going to be really important. I think what Dodgy said is exactly right. There'll be long spells where he might not score goals or might not have a significant input on on the game. And, you know, if he can understand that, that's part and parcel of football, let alone being a 16, 17-year-old, um, then he puts himself in a good frame of mind. Uh, last year, post-game, um, when the, the team was struggling or when he didn't score and even the team won, he was really down, like really down. Mm. That was visible. All the Visibly fans down. Visible, yeah. and, and, and it's just like, you know, I know you're, you're, you're a teenager, but... You know, how mature are you in your brain? And and, mm. and that's something that he's really going to have to, to, to learn to deal with. It, it, else teams will do the Jacob Farrell on him. Imagine you get that six, was a seven, seven, that was a theme of the end six, of last year, wasn't it? Seven, eight, nine teams doing that. And all of a sudden, you know, he's not the asset that, that we all expect of, of him. The expectations obviously, obviously there. I don't think that should dawn on him too much at that age. Um, I don't think he, you know, carries a team on his shoulders or, or, or anything, anything like that. But, you know, in terms of Dodgy's comment on going overseas, a mistake because he doesn't have the experience and, you know, Grand Qual where he got loaned to, I think that's where the club has to be sort of firm on that transfer. Mm. I mean, we experienced this with the Riley McGree, uh, 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 transfer where, you know, an MLS club, uh, bought him, um, great tick money in, et cetera. But, but prior to us doing that deal, you know, that we knew that he was going on loan and really important part, uh, in terms of my conversation with Riley is, mate, we've got to make sure where they're sending you on loan to is actually going to be good for you, at least for the 18 months till they get into the competition. Um, so, you know, it was great. We had us as Adelaide United really looking after Riley's interests as well as, um, was it Cincinnati, the club that, that uh, Charlotte, that bought, Charlotte that, that bought him, um, actually really looking out for his interests mm. as well as our own. They're, they're, you can often find a, a win-win, you know, so to get him to Birmingham in the championship was a massive tick because... It sort of suits his style, that explosive box to box, 
Um, he was happy to go there. You know, Charlotte were paying us the fee anyway. The deal was structured well. And now look at him. It's, it's mm-hmm. Obviously, things can go wrong. But, you know, if he's going to Bayern and then going to a regional league team in Germany, maybe not the best. Yeah. But, but if he's going to Bayern and there's a legitimate thought process around, okay, this is the four, three, five-year strategy for him. We're going to loan him here because we know they need that position. And then it could work. Mm. But um, all those things need to fall into place. We're, let's quickly turn our attention to some of the other teams in the A-League men's competition because while uh, Adelaide United have, have made that uh, recruit of Tunnicliffe coming in, there's some familiar names that are finding different homes going into this season, which is going to strengthen the squads. We we talk of uh, Aziz Bayic, Daniel Arzani moves to Melbourne Victory. It's a, it's a different Daniel Arzani than when we saw him originally at Melbourne City. Um, Rukovica comes back. There's a, a lot of big names, but also some of the, the younger players we see now are getting Socceroos experience. So, um, Robbie, I think it's great as a fan to see the other teams get better. Also some big names, um, big Australian names too. So we can go and see some of our players who have played for the Socceroos actually play in our own league but it's going to make it more challenging for Adelaide United when every other team around us is getting better. Absolutely. And just on that point, obviously, Kaya Simon and, and Courtney Vine are in the Liberty League this season, yeah. so make sure you get and watch those uh, Matildas that did so well at the Women's World Cup. Obviously, the team that comes immediately to mind, and I'm sure you're all thinking the same as Brisbane, um, obviously just lost the Australia Cup final against Sydney FC. Ross Aloisi just... Turn that club around, a bit of an Ange Postacoglu in the space of three months. I spoke to Scott Neville, um, who's who's there, and he basically said it's a bit like when Popper was there. Not exactly the same, but Ross has come in, completely turned the club around. Obviously, Kaz Patafta and Zach Anderson are in the backroom staff as well, taking care of the back end of things. And uh, from what I understand, that club's done a 360. Ross was here, had a great relationship with the players. He's not the... Yeah, everyone remembers him as this hothead. That, that's not who he is. I mean, when Josh Cavallo decided that he was going to come out, the first person he came out to was Ross Aloisi. Um, that's how much trust he had in Ross. And then Ross goes away, works at Yokohama under Kevin Musket. I'm sure he learned a hell of a lot there. And he's come back and he's having a real impact early. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to go and win the A-League, but I think they're going to be a real improved side. And you mentioned young players. They've got Henry Hoare, um, Waddington, the striker who's been banging yeah. them in. Um, Parsons has come back from Sydney after you know being starting out at Brisbane. So I think there's a lot to like about Brisbane and, and in that same breath, Sydney FC. They stuck with Steve Corica. He's made a couple of really good signings. Obviously, the, the striker, the Brazilian Fabio on loan, scored a couple of goals off the bench in the final. I mean, Lolly and Mack. Uh, to, that, that might be the best front three in the whole league. I mean, Melbourne City obviously mm. can have claims to that, but Naboo's out for the whole season. Mm. Atilio's not there anymore. So I think that Sydney FC three could be the scariest in the, in the league. I know it's easy to say because they just made the, the Australia Cup final, but for me, those two teams um, look vastly improved. All right, you, Trav, who do we look out for? Just on touching on Ross. Mm. Um, yeah, you got to have that. you got to have that balance, and I think not knowing Ross as a coach personally, but he's got a strong personality. And you know, that is what I think a club like Brisbane needs is a coach to come in and say, this is the lay of the land and it is my way or the highway type thing. And I don't know, I just have this perception that that's what he would be like, uh, very firm with the playing group. And you know, potentially that's what they need and, and getting out of it. You look at um, what's the, the player that from France that signed uh, MacArthur that uh, Sturjowski brought in um, the striker. He's uh, yeah. Oh, Jermaine is it Jermaine? Jermaine, yeah, Jermaine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, spoke to to Sturjowski when they played Campbelltown in the cup. All right, it was his first game, but you know if we can see players like that coming and doing well, they can be excitement machines. Mm. Looking at. MacArthur that, that night, I thought they were bang average mm. and, and will probably struggle again this year. But I think it's going to be the, the, the same couple of teams again. You know, I think it's going to be Melbourne City. I think it's going to be Sydney. And then, you know, it's the others to, I guess, fight it out for, for the rest. Mm. I want to touch on Ross as well, partly because I love the bloke, but um, phenomenal coach. I think 
you know, Brisbane's got their best chance of being successful with a coach uh, uh, such as Ross Aloisi. I think we've seen the early stages with the with 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 the cup run. I think that team will will continue to improve. And and um, knowing Kaz and, and and Zach personally, I think you know when when they got announced, it was a bit like, oh, who are these? You know, they're just footballers. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, they're they're. They're really impressive young guys who've who've um, you know studied, done, ticked all the boxes, understand the game, understand what what players need. Um, I think Brisbane could be a bit of a dark horse um, um, this year. Really interested to see how the Mariners go, because we talk about Craig Goodwin. The Mariners have lost like a lot of their, mm. you know, what what really brought them the championship yeah. um, um, last season. You know, Cummings gone. Montgomery, you know, um, he's gone to Hibs. Again, the best will always go. Um, that it'll be interesting. To, they're the defending champions. You know, you can't shirk that. That that's that's going to be interesting. But you know, for me, it's Melbourne City because I think what we'll see in in Melbourne City one, Vitasic, great coach, but two, they're a bit like the Brisbane Roar of under the. And uh, era in the sense that I don't think personnel matters too much, notwithstanding they've got a lot of quality in their squad. But the way that they play, it's the style of play, the ability to solve problems on the field as the game's going, um, and that winning mentality. I, 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 it's hard for me to go past a, a, a team that will win the minor premiership, definitely. Um, finals, anything can happen, as, as we all know. But, but you know, Melbourne City... Standouts for me. I thought you were going to say it was their new assistant coach at Melbourne City. Why? Your old mate. Yeah, but Jamo. There's <laughs> 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 all we can never get through a round table or a conversation without Jamo's name. We're not, we're not taking yeah, calls, but up. someone's just called him. <laughs> <Yeah. everywhere. laughs> we're going to get to your um, starting eleven uh, in a moment. Uh, again, I just want to ask you a quick question. Can, without can we notice. speak on Jamo? Of course, just quickly. Yeah, go for it, mate. This is your show. No, 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 <laughs> but but. You know, again, it comes back to um, why they're such a strong club. And I think Michael Petrillo has done a really good job there because th we talk about the ructions that had to happen here for us to start to look at past players' mm. clubs or to get Eugene back or Carl in as head coach and, and, you know, the culture this club's trying to build. Um, Melbourne City's there in terms of, yes, of course, they've got more resources and they're able to do, um, you know, to, to provide those opportunities. But it's great to see former players seamlessly moving into those roles when you talk about culture, what you're trying to trying to build. So, And it's um, funny, isn't it? Because when they first came into the competition, you could probably be forgiven that just thinking they're a soulless feeder club to Man City and, and New York City just there to just do what they need to do and run as a business and not as an actual club. Well, there's an arm to that. That's true, you know. Um, but, but you can still have a good culture I'd, and do I'd, that at the same well, time. I'd, I'd just take the soulless part out of what you said. I mean, yes, they are a feeder club and, you know, Aaron Moy is a perfect example mm. of that. Um, Azani maybe less so, oh. but you can see where the, the, that works. Um, but at the same time, they, 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 they work extra because why? There's another behemoth there in Melbourne victory. Like they have to work extra in terms of the club attracting people to, to, to come and watch their games and, and building that fan engagement. Um, they do have to go that extra mile because Melbourne Victory does have such a strong presence there. They do, and there's a lot of pressure on Melbourne Victory this year. None of you mentioned Melbourne Victory as a team to watch. They they welcome in Daniel Arzani, who, as I said, is a, a player that is almost trying to resurrect his career back in Australia. Um, so we welcome two more teams into the competition in the next couple of years. It was announced this week. Um, so from a holistic football sense, do you think this is something that we're going to see a lot more player movement now or a real focus on younger players getting an opportunity using um, expansion in the AFL when two new franchises came in? It took a bit of time for um, clubs to find their voice, to find their establishment. And we've, we've seen that with Western United and MacArthur, but they are strategically placed in football parts of Australia. So, Robbie, just briefly before we head into your, your starting 11 for uh, round one, what, what are your thoughts on the teams coming in over the next couple of years? Well, initially, my thought is Auckland, if they have the right backing, which I believe the owner of Bournemouth in the Premier League is the preferred bidder. Yeah. Um, you know, that on paper looks pretty good. And to have a... A New Zealand derby mm. would be a, a big fixture to have. I think that's a, a positive step in the right direction. 
I think in the past you've seen expansion clubs go one of two ways. They go and sign a big-name marquee, a big-name coach, and try to buy all the best players um, and have success straight away. And then there's other teams that try to build slowly. You look at MacArthur, and it just doesn't seem to have worked out. Fastest-growing region of Australia. Bruce, might, Bruce will probably be able to correct me there with his property <laughs> council hat on. But <laughs> I think that's the fastest-growing population in Australia. So you'd think over time it would work if they can get things right on the pitch. But I actually think Bruce might be best... Having spent time at the Gold Coast, Brucey, um, what do you what do you think about the best way to go about it? I'm I'm always positive on the expansion of the league. Um, it comes with a equal level of apprehension as well because, geez, they, you know, I don't know what processes are run, and you know, one was under Football Australia, this one's under A leagues. They're separated now, etc. Et probably different processes, um, but time will tell. That's all I'd say. I mean. It's great to have the name. It's great to have this and the other. Like we had Clive Farmer. He was one of the richest guys in, in, the, in the country. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think it's about uh, necessarily financial power. It's more about the passion for the game, the, the legitimate intent to engage with community, um, the legitimate uh, want or will to want to build something for the longer term not just come in big marquee. Of course, you might need to do that initially to put bumps on seats, um, but far too often we've seen people come in, they go hard, they go too hard, too early, um, and after two or three years, they've either packed it in or they've completely just turned off the, the, mm. the faucet, the you know, so they turn off the tap um, and that it's left on a withering vine. Time will tell, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I think... The quality last season was awesome. You know, the quality of, of the football was amazing. Mm. Uh, 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 you know, I, I'd argue it was probably the best quality um, the A-Leagues has seen. Um, expansion dilutes the quality. And that's what we saw probably the last, prior to last season, the, the previous four or so before that, as your MacArthur comes in. You know, I remember when I rocked up as football director, like there was no Aussie centre-backs. Because Western United mopped up about five, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, then MacArthur comes in as well. So it, it's, it's good, but it just takes like any acquisition or merger or expansion, takes a bit of time to bet it all down. But as Robbie said, it'll be great to have a New Zealand derby. It's great to have more content on the screens. I mean, it ticks a lot of boxes in the, on the business side, um, on the football side, time, time will tell. Trav? Yeah, Bruce, he touched on it towards the end there. D dilution is the biggest issue mm. that I see. You know, what's a squad these days? 23, 24 players? Maybe you gotta, more, more with all the kids in that, yeah. 25, mm. you've got to add another 50 professional players into the player pool. Mm. And that is going to take time because now... Same number of foreigners. So like the foreigners, mm. like, yeah. like you've got the foreigner cap, right? So the, the pool overwhelmingly yeah. has to be Aussie players. That's right. So you're either... You, I mean, the term recycling the, the A-League players is going to happen to an extent, but these MPL players are going to have to step up. Are they going to be at that level day one, round one? No, they're no, not. they're not. They're not. So I think the product, the standard, you know, across the board can dip a little bit until they find their feet, until they yeah. get that and experience. And then they come good, don't And they? then it shoots up again. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Adelaide United's A-League men's team has a couple of weeks until the season starts for the women. On Sunday, the 15th, they're playing at Cooper Stadium in a standalone game, which is a um, fantastic opportunity for them from the flow on from the FIFA Women's World Cup. We're hoping to get as many people to Cooper Stadium as possible for um, the kickoff just after 2.30pm. Uh, I wanted to go to you all now for your ideal starting 11 for Adelaide United. So we're putting a caveat on this that every player is at full fitness. So I'm shattered for Harry van der Sarg. I saw him at the uh, the MPL final where he doesn't know when he's going to play again. Like, yeah. it's as pretty straightforward as that, which is shattering because he showed so much promise when he came over to the Reds. Uh, Josh Cavallo is under an injury cloud uh, at the moment. Um, and there's a, a couple of other players that may be unavailable. But it's great to see players back to full fitness like Bernardo, 
Johnny Yale is a player a lot of supporters are really excited to see get consistent games because if he can live up to his expectation, there's some exciting things for him coming in. Jay Barnett was really consistent when given his opportunity at the club. So all of these players are at full fitness. Robbie Cornthwaite, we are heading to you for your starting 11 for Adelaide United. All right, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. I'm not going to give too many explanations. So obviously Joe Gauchi in goal. At right back, I'm going to stick with Javi Lopez. I still think he's one of the best defenders in the league. Popovich as one of the centre-backs alongside Ansel, as we mentioned. Uh, Ryan Kiddo, the skipper, obviously made left-back his own this season. I'm going to go for Tenercliffe uh, as the holding midfielder in the middle of the park. Uh, in front of him, I'm going to have Barnett and Zach Clough. Iran Kunda on one of the wings. Ibasuki up front and Halloran on the left. And I just think with Clough... And Halloran in particular, I'll give him two or three games. If not, maybe Bernardo plays as the 10 or he comes in mm. out wide. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think Isaias is going to be an impact player for me this year. Last half an hour, you're winning. You need someone to control the game, slow things down. He's going to come on and do that job. Awesome. Thank you. Trav, is yours any different to Robbie's? It is a bit different. Uh, Gauchi, Panache, uh, but at the back, Warland and Ansel. Kiddo at the back. My midfield's a bit different. So uh, I've gone with uh, Alagic. Clough and Johnny Yo, uh, and Luca up top with uh, Jovanovic, with uh, Halloran and Iren Kunda. So You're basically to, on the Adelaide United childcare centre there. They're all very young players. That, What's your average yeah, age? 22.73. <laughs> oh, I like it. It's different. Hey, mm. we can, we're can. talking about this before. I can say that because I'm not the coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's an, exi- that's an exciting that's team. Absolutely. It is, all right, yeah. Brucey? Might, might leak a couple of goals, but... We spoke about well, the score defense, a few. didn't we? Yeah. We'll score a few anyway. <laughs> you just got to score more. That's it. Um, I had gouching goals. Um, I got a few sort of 50-50s. So Panache and Harvey. See, you know, that's a decision that I'm yet to make. Ansel and Warland, the centre-back pairing. Kidder obviously at, at left-back. I think the midfield is going to be really interesting this year. So I've gone with Clough, Tenercliffe and Isaias as, as the starters. Notwithstanding, you know, keen to see Barnett get back to... F- Fitness. Johnny Yarles had an outstanding preseason, and Allegic showed his worth um, mm. last year. So Carl's got a lot of options in that centre mid. We didn't speak about Louis Dorigo, but can understand how that decision gets made when you're looking at the, the, the talent in the centre of midfield. Halloran on the right, Ibasuki up front, and I've gone another 50-50. Iron Kunda and Bernardo. Mm. You know, I think Iron Kunda gets the, the the green light to start with, but. You know, Bernardo's been a little bit forgotten about because mm. he didn't play a minute last year, I don't think. No. So, um, you know, struggled to get back in. Um, but that's a player, big raps from a very young age um, and definitely has, has quality and arguably more consistency than an Iren Kunda. Just sort of depends on the on the game, whether you go the Iren Kunda Bernardo or the Panache Harvey. Boys, thank you for your contribution to not just today, but to the football club. And um, I know that there is going to be an official celebration, I believe, in January for the the 20 year history of the football club, which hope to see you all there. Bruce, we had to book you in a year in advance, basically after last year's roundtable. So thanks for making yourself available. Trav, thank you for being here an hour early today. Yeah. We appreciate that because you're so committed. I always get the times wrong. I've got, I know. Maybe it's an age thing. I'm struggling with that at the moment. Good luck. They put you know, it in you know about daylight savings? Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. luck on the golf course with yeah. uh, Carl and Robbie. We can see all your work on Channel 7 and, of course, via Adelaide United's media channels as well. Thank you to all of the sponsors. Don't forget to head to Cooper Stadium for the women's game this weekend and, of course, our men's season coming up very soon. The merchandise looks amazing. It's um, paying a little bit of love back to uh, the first mm. game, the home shirt this year. The away shirt has a collar on it and there's a lot more um, fun planned at all of the home matches this season. If you're travelling away, make sure you find an Adelaide United supporter near you. And thanks for listening to us on the round table. Go you Reds.